Hello, everyone, and welcome to this very special edition of Blah Blah Podcast. This is our big end of the year movie uh, award lists, however you want to call it. Um, I am uh, Sean Smith, and joining me is returning Blah Blah cast member Dan Katz. Hello, hello. And returning movie cast member Eric Wacker. Hey, how's it going? And we are here because we ha- we want to talk about some movies, uh, specifically some of the best movies from 2016, which feels like a thousand years ago. But uh, we have compiled a list. Uh, me and Eric both are going to be talking about our top 10 movies of uh, 2016. Uh, Dan, you were not fortunate enough to see enough movies from uh, 2016, so you're just going to be providing uh, commentary as we go along. Um, yeah, that, that's that's a bell. I mean, I saw I saw more than ten movies, obviously, but I don't think I've seen enough to to make a solid top ten until I've seen some more that I, I've been meaning to, to pick off the list. So yeah, con- considering how a majority of them are DC and Marvel movies, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you're uh, if you're qualified for this, but uh, but hey, you know, there's a there's a Fox one in there too. Remember? Oh yeah, that one. Oh, we might be talking about that one. Um, but yeah, so we're going to give our list, uh, but before we start, I think the appropriate thing to do is let's go over some honorable mentions because obviously, like, uh, we were saying this was a pretty big year for, for movies, regardless of what Ridley Scott or Martin Scorsese says. Um, it's, uh, it it was a pretty good year and it was really hard to fit a solid 10. Usually most years, it's not that difficult. Like I remember, Last year, it was pretty easy to make a top 10 because last year was just a bum year for movies. Um, but it was hard this year. And I know, Eric, you, you feel the same way. Yeah, it was, um, you know, I saw a, a ton of movies and I've been struggling with this top 10 for months now, just trying to, because there's just too many, you know, I don't want to remove something from the top 10, even though I think it is one of the best of the year. It's been, it's been a struggle. Yeah, um, a lot of sleepless nights over this list. <laughs> um, but I'd probably be in the same spot if I seen more, if I if I saw more movies too, though. So it's it's not really hard well, to well, say because a lot of the movies I saw this year were great. So, well, what what would you say was your favorite movie from this year? Uh, I think Green Room is still my favorite movie from this year. I'm still pretty high on Green Room. I don't know. I want to say that it's definitely. My number one, because like I, I, I liked a lot of other stuff quite a bit. Like a dark horse for me that I that I just saw recently, but I love was the lobster. I don't know if that's on either your guys' list or if either you even saw it. I'm not it. giving away spoilers. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, not, can't spoil I'm not saying that, this, yeah. but I'm just saying that's a movie I saw recently that I, I fell in love with, and I want to go back and watch Dog Tooth now because I've heard good things about it, but never watched it from that director. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I guess uh, we'll get started then. Um, we'll start with our honorable mentions. And I guess, Eric, since you have about 50 of them, uh, why don't you go ahead and get us started? Uh, so I guess I want to highlight. So this isn't this didn't make the list, though. I kind of think it's the best movie of the year. Uh, I got to say Moonlight. Um, I think it's a really beautiful, amazing movie uh, that. You know, I think it should probably win Best Picture. I think it's got everything that a classic movie should have. It just, um, 
didn't have enough horror or sci-fi elements for me. Oh, maybe. no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I think it's a beautiful movie. It's just outside my top 10 because I don't think it's something that I'll be re-watching much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is just oh, like... You've so seen good. it more times than me and Sean have because uh, the big fat zero... Oh, spoiler and... alert. <laughs> uh, but uh, if I'm sure that it'll... Uh, you know, is it even playing out there? That, that's I think it came and went so fast yeah. that we didn't get to see yeah. it. I think that's what happened. Unfortunately, like it was eight, in theaters for like eight weekends. Yeah, A24 didn't treat it well this this way. Yeah. Well, you know, with this one, I think they knew it was like it was going to be an awards movie. So as long as it played in New York and L.A., that's mm-hmm. like all that matters. I guess. I don't know. I, I think A24 didn't quite know exactly what they had with it at first until now. And like, because it's the same company that I believe released Swiss Army Man. That was in theaters for like three weeks. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, another one that I've been meaning to see and haven't gotten to see yet. So I still I'm don't know sure how that, I feel about it. Pretty that sure movie. that would be on my <laughs> list if I saw it. Like, I feel like it would be on my list if I, if I saw it, but I haven't gotten to watch it yet. Yeah. Well, all right. Uh, what do we have next? Uh, so another, uh, so this one was kind of set up to be a prestige movie, but it hasn't really gotten any awards notice or barely any, uh, Nocturnal Animals, Tom Ford's new movie. I thought this was kind of a really incredible, strange, beautiful movie that, uh, not a lot of people have seen. I know you two have seen it, so we can actually discuss it a bit, but I feel like it's getting passed over even though it's got, I mean, it's directed know exceptionally well it's got a really interesting script and the performances across the board are just amazing are are you aware of the marketing campaign that they did for nocturnal animals where the all the commercials were nothing like how the movie is at all they kind of made it into like this suspense thriller where it's like amy adams is like trying to solve the murder it's really weird like yeah, it, yeah, the trailer the trailers were really not but doing any service. The, the trailers did the movie was Yeah, the, tra- the trailers didn't help either, but like the TV spots, the 30 second TV spots were so misleading that I, I'm surprised people even went in and didn't just walk out thinking that this was complete especially the way it opens, a completely different movie from uh from what they were expecting. Yeah, but you know, and I understand the impulse to sell this as more of a thriller because I mean it's a I don't know how you market this movie as like, especially how you market it yeah. accurately because it's, it's, you know, it's a, it's a strange movie. It's, you know, well, I, there's I like layers there's to it. not really a way in a, in a trailer for them to be like, explain like she's going to read a script and it's going to happen. Like, yeah, yeah we're going to, yeah. Uh, well, but I think it's a really movie. unique, I think it's a really unique revenge movie, honestly. Like, I feel like that's what kind of... It honestly feels like a revenge movie to me. Like, not to go into spoilers with what happens, but I feel like the ending of the movie is him getting revenge on... Someone. Is that where I guess yeah. yeah, someone. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, you know, that's interesting, and I, I agree to an extent, but there's, there's even... It's a little more nuanced than that, too. It's not just revenge, but it's also doing a service to this person kind of setting them free from the shackles that they've been in in their life. It's really hard to talk about this movie without spoilers. Yeah. But, but it's a really it's it's re- it's a great movie and it's the better Amy Adams movie that came out this year. 
Interesting. As much as I like Arrival. I mean, I love Arrival, but I think Amy Adams is better in Nocturnal Animals, and I think I enjoyed Nocturnal Animals more. I feel in Nocturnal Animals, she didn't have as much to do, obviously, even though she's technically a lead in Nocturnal Animals. She has more to do in Arrival. Yeah, well, she doesn't... I mean, she is the lead in Nocturnal Animals, but she doesn't even have that much screen time because half the movie is the book she's reading where she's played by uh, Isla Fisher instead. <laughs> Which kind of screwed with my head a bit. Yeah. Isn't that... Now, there's like, a lot of parts in that movie that are like head screwy at first until you realize what's happening because it doesn't really like explain itself right away. Mm-hmm. Which I like. I like it, it folds out that way. Yeah, and I, I'm surprised uh, not enough uh, award buzz for Michael Shannon. A lot of people were talking about him coming out of this movie, and he hasn't really, I don't think he's gotten anything. Yeah, I haven't heard a single thing. And, like, everyone I've ever talked to agrees that he's the MVP of that movie. He is, like, hilarious and so funny. It's I think it's one of his best roles, uh, but he's... He got passed over uh, for uh, Aaron Johnson for the Golden Globe, which was <laughs> a weird move. Oof. Not that Aaron Taylor Johnson's bad in the movie, but he's not. That's as definitely good as one of Shannon. his better roles. Yeah, for well, he, sure. He's also playing the flashy character. You know, it's like Michael Shannon's a yeah. little more subdued, and uh, I mean, really, if you take him out of that out of that part of the movie, it's kind of you know, oh, okay, well, we got Jake Gyllenhaal, so that's kind of cool, I guess. But <laughs> other than that, it's like, what do you? <laughs> It's it's it, it really destroys the that portion of the movie if he's not in there. Yeah, for but, sure. Um, all right, so what else do we have? So now this is one that uh, should have been a bigger deal, and no one's talking about it for awards. Is everybody wants some? The oh yeah, uh, the new Richard Linklater movie that's kind of the spiritual sequel to Dazed and Confused that takes place in a college in in uh, Texas. And uh, it's just as good as Days and Confused. There's not a lot of uh, name actors in it, or maybe no name actors in it, besides like the Teen Wolf guy. And uh, but it's just like a, an amazing, fun, uh, warm movie with great characters, and it's exactly what you would want from like another Days and Confused. And how long did this one take to make? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think a normal amount of time. Okay, that's why it's not getting any award praise. Yeah, it didn't 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 go through the whole uh, twelve year production process this time, unfortunately. That's another one of the films that I've been meaning to see. Still haven't gotten to yet, but I definitely want definitely, to. Yeah, definitely one to seek out because I think it's kind of a crime that no one's talking about this movie. All right, what do we have next. Um, uh, a good one that, uh, I just watched recently, but I've heard about earlier in the year is Train to Busan, which is a Korean zombie film. Oh yeah. I heard about that. Yeah. It takes place on a a bullet train from, I think, Seoul to Busan and a zombie outbreak, um, takes over the whole country, but we're stuck on this train where the zombies are slowly spreading and you know the passengers have to survive and get to uh, the quarantine zone, and it's great. It's funny. The action's great. It's a it's a fast zombie movie. 
it's not, the zombies are actually kind of like the zombies in World War Z, where they're so fast that they're just climbing on top of each other. Oh, do they make uh, a giant hand and take down a <laughs> helicopter? Uh, if only. If only. But uh, it does the zombies much better than that film. And the characters are great. It's, it's funny, and it's actually kind of sweet. It's kind of got like this uh, Spielberg father-child uh, dynamic going on. And it's... Um, it's uh, for as far as foreign action films go, it's definitely uh, one of the better ones from the year. Now, at any point, does Samuel Jackson show up and go, I'm tired of these motherfucking zombies on this motherfucking train? Well, you know, I think that would have just been too perfect. So <laughs> maybe in the director's cut. I don't know. I got to seek it out. Or maybe the sequel. Yeah. All right. What do we have next? Um. I'm just kind of jumping around my list for interesting movies. Something that was uh, that I enjoyed a lot, and I think I think people overall enjoyed it, but it's not really an awards movie. Was uh, Hunt for the Wilder People? Oh um, yeah, I, I wanted to see that so bad because I love what we do in the shadows. Yeah, uh, it's, it's from Taika Waititi, the director of what we or the co-director of what we do in the shadows, and soon to be director of Thor three. And it's uh, just a great, um, sweet, fun adventure movie with Sam Neill. It's amazing. It's a hilarious. It's a just like a good time. It's a great ninety minutes. Mm-hmm. All right. Anything else on there? Um, I I just want to say that uh, Hell or High Water is really good and deserves more nominations than uh, just Jeff Bridges because it's an awesome movie. Yeah, uh, uh, Ben Foster uh, deserves some nominations. Um, yeah, I thought Ben Foster's like, I mean, Ben Foster is a very underrated actor, yeah, and that may be his best role. And I actually thought Chris Pine was really good too, surprisingly. Yeah, I agree. His mustache was even better, but oh. he himself was pretty good too. <laughs> Rock the handlebar. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. That's it, another one that I've meaning to see. I think I was slacking on westerns this year for sure. It's an interesting western. It's not. Uh, it's almost like a modern western in a way, um, but it's very interesting. It's more. It's very character driven, uh, which is a good thing, and um, everyone's good in it. And it has a very satisfying ending, I would say. Yeah, great ending. A great. You know, it's not. There's closure, but the it leaves. You know. It leaves you, you leave the theater like knowing that more, there's more there and you can just kind of imagine what happens. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, do, how many more do we have? <laughs> uh, no, you can just, uh, I think that's, those are the most important ones. Shin Godzilla was really good. If you ever want to watch a new Godzilla movie. Okay. Shin Godzilla is awesome. Uh, it's a real, it's actually kind of a weird, um, political comedy more than it's a Godzilla movie. So it's kind of like uh, in the loop or veep mm. meets Godzilla. So if that pitch appeals to you, then definitely worth seeking out. And the that'll be the, last... the design on that Godzilla is really killer too. Cause I've been eyeing up the action figures of that guy. Not that I'm going to buy a Godzilla figure, but those things are pretty detailed. I'm like, is it, is there like, still suit in that one or is it full cg this time so i believe it's kind of half and half yeah that's so it looked half and half yeah i think uh i think it's a guy in a suit with 
enhancements. Okay. But but there's also multiple phases of Godzilla. Yeah, so. here that he evolves throughout the movie. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. So it might change per phase. That's interesting. Um, all right. Well, if uh, if if those are your honorable mentions, I guess I'll go down a couple of my honorable mentions. Uh, my first one is Fences. Uh, just recently came out. Um, it's really compelling, especially if you've never seen the play. Obviously, I think people who have seen the play or at least have read the uh, the story of the play, it might not be as effective because it's literally almost a shot-by-shot remake of the stage play. Um, I know some people are giving Denzel some shit for not shooting it like a movie movie, but um, but all, all the acting is great in it, and there's some uh, some, some good characters in there too, and it, it feels like a nice condensed story with great acting and some uh, good characters. So, um, so yeah, Fences. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I really loved Fences. I thought it was excellent. And I, I respected uh, Denzel's choice to just trust the screenplay, which was written by the playwright, and just play it, you know, as straight as possible. Because it's really just the language and the acting that carries it. You know, it's just people screaming at each other, but it's done so well. Not always screaming at each not, other. But. Not always, but uh, it does get pretty heat. Like, it's, it's uh, you know, it's very small scale, obviously, but the, um, the stakes are really big for this family. And uh, just watching all these great actors bounce off of each other in this very uh, heated emotional story. It, it's, it works really well. Mm-hmm. Um, another honorable mention, something we've already talked about, nocturnal animals. Um, not, re- not really much more to say about that one. Um, Hacksaw Ridge, another honorable mention, um, which is very interesting. Uh, I also have on here for an honorable mention silence, which after seeing both movies, they're very similar. If you really think about it, <laughs> Um, but Hexall Ridge, obviously the Mel Gibson movie, um, pretty good acting. I would say there was a few spots in there that I was a little, uh, concerned about mostly Vince Vaughn. Um, but, uh, it, it was a pretty solid movie and it's some of the best war violence you're going to see ever. Um, and yeah, uh, that's, that's pretty much it for Hexall Ridge. Um, uh, did you guys see Hexel Ridge? Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I saw Hexel Ridge, and I I really liked it. You know, I think um, I think Mel Gibson's a usually a pretty good director, and he directed it pretty well. It's um it's a great true story, um, but I think it works better once they get to the Pacific Theater, and not so much when it's you know uh, Andrew Garfield in Rockwell's America or yeah, uh, ripping, ripping off a Full Metal Jacket. It's very by the numbers in that first half. It seems yeah. to be the case with a couple of movies this year that are really good still, but they take a while to get to the the point of where they're really clicking. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I mentioned, also honorable mention to Silence, the Martin Scorsese movie, which oddly enough, uh, Andrew Garfield, very similar character, just a little more stubborn. <laughs> yeah. Um. And it's also it's it's interesting. It's a it's I would classify it as an endurance test because not only are they testing 
Andrew Garfield in this movie, but you as as an audience member are being tested while watching this movie. Um, not only tested by just the length of it, but also uh, your faith as well. And um, it's 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 interesting. Uh, it's definitely very very much a different type of movie from Martin Scorsese and. I think it, for the most part, it hit on a lot of what it was trying to do. Um, but yeah, I know, I know Dan, you didn't see silence, but uh, <laughs> yeah, <Shocker>. I, <laughs> I, uh, I, I thought silence was excellent. I mean, Scorsese is always great. You, I agree that it is very different from what we're used to with Scorsese. Even if you compare it to like, uh, the Last Temptation of Christ, it plays completely differently. It's so much slower. There's a lot of comparisons there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they're his two Christian religious epics. But there's even certain uh, things that, and I kind of laughed while watching it, there's certain things that pop up that made me think, oh God, this is exactly like Last Temptation of Christ. Almost to a a T, especially with a couple voiceover things, um, which I won't spoil, but... Yeah. um, But yeah, it's, it's definitely an interesting movie i would i would say that um yeah and it's good i mean it, it's scorsese everyone should see it just because you sh- everyone should see every martin scorsese movie because he's the best also funny enough uh I, it wasn't until about um i don't know maybe three quarters away through the movie that i f- realized that they were from portugal um but it's they their accents are really weird because it, it doesn't quite match up with uh, what I expected. I mean, I know it's like two white guys and a third if you count Liam Neeson, but um, that was a little weird for me because it kind of felt like a little bit of whitewashing. Well, uh, you know, Portugal is still in Europe, and there's different levels of uh, swarthiness. I don't know if that's <laughs> a bad word to say, but uh, um. I mean, the accents are, they are what they are. They're like, I didn't, I didn't feel like, uh, Adam Driver's accent and Andrew Garfield's accent were, were all that similar, but no, I will no. say that <laughs> they weren't. In <laughs> fact, at one point, uh, Adam Driver was bordering on a Christopher Walken impression. <laughs> uh, yeah. And well, I'll have to see it. <laughs> I know. I will say that I liked Garfield's accent work better here than in, um, Axel Axel Ridge. Ridge. Yeah, but you know what? I don't have an issue with. This his... was a funny year for accents. It kind of was, yeah. I don't have oh, especially with uh, Natalie Portman um, and Forrest Whitaker both and Forrest Whitaker year. and Forrest Whitaker and everything really this year. Um, the uh, now, what the hell was I talking about? <laughs> I the, the accent in Hacksaw Ridge. Oh, the ex- the accent in Hacksaw Ridge. I had an issue with until they played the footage of the real life guy. At the end of yeah, the movie, and he sounds, and he like sounds exactly like that. So he I'm okay like with that. it. Yeah, it's still distracting, but uh, <laughs> no, no I'm not. I, I, it definitely is. <laughs> it was a good acting choice, and you know Andrew Garfield's a good actor, so um, I can forgive weird accents because the performance is there. Yeah, best Spider Man. Um, all right, Oof. all right. Uh, <laughs> another honorable mention I have here: uh, Ten Cloverfield Lane. Um, something that's getting overlooked just because it came out early in the year. A lot of people have kind of forgotten about it a bit or maybe didn't even realize it came out this year, but um, it's a really solid suspense borderline horror movie. Um, 
with a little sci-fi thrown in there too, especially at the end. But uh, John Goodman's great. I'm a little sad that he's not getting any uh, recognition for it. Uh, but again, that's because it came out early in the year, and you know people have short memories when it comes to awards. Um, and it's really solid. It's a solid movie that takes place in pretty much one location for most of the movie. Um, so yeah, that's Ten Cloverfield Lane. <laughs> yeah, I thought uh thought it was really awesome. Like it, it came out of nowhere. Famously, they announced it like a couple weeks before it came out, and it kind of blew me away. It's definitely uh, one of my favorites of the year as well. And John Goodman gives his best performance, maybe. And, I mean, he's given so many. So, I would, I would yeah. say his best non-Cohen's performance. That's fair. That's very fair. If I was to have a list, that would probably be somewhere in my top five of this year, honestly, out of what I've seen. I really like 10 Cloverfield Lane a lot. and It sucks that some of you all forgot about it so soon after it happened. I don't know if that's just because of how long ago it came out. Yeah. Or the ending that people didn't really care for. No, because there's a but. there's a few things that are getting award considerations that have pretty shitty endings, and I I, I don't think that has anything to do. With it. I think it's it's just the fact that it came out in February, I believe, and people have just for, forgotten about it. Yeah. So, and uh, my last honorable mention is for Zootopia, um, which is probably the best animated movie of this year. Um. I, I'll I'll go on on a limb on say that because I have I didn't see Finding Dory because I have zero patience for that, um, but Zootopia was really good and it had a uh, it was it was funny and it had a uh, a good message underneath everything which is very 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 poignant to today's culture and it's it came out back in March and it's. It's almost like they kind of predicted like the future in a way. I don't want to spoil too much, but it's uh, it's a very interesting uh, kids movie, but also for adults at the same time. I did not see Zootopia either, so I can't yeah. really talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> the only animated movie I saw this year was Sausage Party. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You know, it's actually the same for me. That would have been my favorite animated movie this year, but uh, Zootopia is just better made even though it's not as funny it's still you know yeah i've heard i've heard a lot of great things about zootopia yeah it's on netflix i suggest uh everyone go check it out if you feel like it um all right so those are our our honorable mentions so i guess we'll go into before you guys get into your Uh list there's one one thing i'd like to put out as an honorable mention which i don't know if it will be on either of your lists Mm -hmm. i know sean either didn't see it or didn't care for it but i really really like the shallows this year like i feel like that was a, a great shark movie, and probably the only good other, the only other good shark, other than Jaws, in my opinion. Like I think too many shark movies are way too hokey. Well, that's because shark movies usually suck. <laughs> it's not hard competition. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there aren't a lot of very good ones. I will say that The Shallows is maybe the second best shark movie ever, considering there's only ever been one good shark movie prior. Uh, like people it, would, people used to, you know, put, put Deep Blue Sea up there. Like it was like, but come on, really? I mean, it's it's a joke. I movie. mean, I love, yeah, it's, I love it's, it's great, but it's see, not, but it's not a good movie. No, like, that's a, a good bad movie for yeah. sure. Same thing with Megalodon three, but I'm, yeah, I'm not getting well, into that. <laughs> I, I got I Deep Blue Sea is a little better than that, but uh, <laughs> but not much. 
But yeah, the shallows. I, I mean, I thought Blake Lively did a great job. I thought the shark looked great. Uh, Steven Siegel was amazing. Oh, best supporting performance of the year, I think. Yeah, that bird deserves an Oscar. <laughs> Um, yeah, um, that, that's really the only one I wanted to get in there because I didn't think that's, that's probably going to be on anyone's list. That's funny because t- uh, everyone that I've ever talked to about The Shallows is very divisive on it. It's either they love it or they hate it, and I've heard both. So I don't know. I don't know how to feel. I, I knew I was going to love it just from the trailer because how beautiful the cinematography was. I'm like, even if everything else is bad, the whole movie is going to look really, really nice. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, I guess we'll go into our list then. Uh, did we flip a coin to see who's going first? <laughs> You're going to play by uh, Cards Against Humanity rules, whoever took a ship first. Is that a real rule? I've never heard that before. I think it is, but no. Um, uh, I'm going to moderate now that, that you guys get numbers and I'll probably see moving. So uh, let's just have Eric go first. Sean, you can go second. All right. That works for me. All right. So. Uh, my number 10 spot goes to um, a movie I saw first at Fantastic Fest. Uh, so I saw it a few months ago, and then um, it just came out on VOD somewhat recently, was um, The Autopsy of Jane Doe um, from Andre Overdahl, I think his name is, from uh, the Norwegian director of Troll Hunters. And, That's who it was uh, by. I, I didn't yeah. realize it was the guy from Troll Hunters. I really like Troll Hunters too. So yeah, it's the the Troll Hunters director. Obviously, a a very different movie. Oh but, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, the Autopsy of Jane Doe is just a great little, um, very contained, uh, spooky horror movie about uh, two coroners, a father and son coroner team, doing an autopsy of a mysterious dead mm-hmm. body and and. Uh, Things go wrong, and they explored their past traumas uh, in uh, investigating this uh, mysterious corpse. And uh, it's got great characters and then some pretty interesting scares, I think, too. I would say they very briefly hit on uh, their 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 pasts in the movie. It's very brief. I don't I don't I don't think they really spent well, that much time on it. I would say it's it's shading for the you know for the characters. It's just uh, it just adds something. It's to briefly that touched on, but it's it's throughout the storyline as a, a background thing. You know that it's going on inside their heads. I feel like mm-hmm. yeah, there are there's certain tensions and there's just things under the surface there that you can sense, and eventually you kind of you get more information about what's going on with these two guys. And uh, who are played by Brian Cox and Emil Hirsch, who are both great actors and they have great chemistry together. And um, it's just like a really fun time. Uh, I know it didn't play in a lot of theaters, but it's a great movie in a theater with like a lot of people. Uh, well, I'm sure. They really react to the scares. Um, but most most people had to experience it on VOD, which is a shame. Well, that's funny is that it came out on VOD, yet I just saw the other day it's getting a... I don't know if it's a wide release, but at least a theatrical release in May of this year. In in the middle of summer, it's just coming out for some reason. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's definitely delayed. That's very Slightly. strange because I, I would imagine it'll be like on Blu-ray by then anyway. I don't know. I, I don't know who released the movie, but uh, I, 
If if it's coming out, it's IFC. I think it's is it an IFC film? IFC Midnight, maybe. Maybe. Um, I don't know. It's weird that it would be on VOD and then they would give it a theatrical release, unless it's just like a small thing that they're. But then, why would you do it in May? You know, I think it's like counter programming for Guardians. I think. Uh, when it comes out in beginning of May, so that's weird. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's not going to do that well. No, no. Um. So I, I mean, I'll say I did see Autopsy of Jane Doe, and I thought it was just okay. Um, like you said, it is a very contained story. Um, I thought you were saying that like Brian Cox and Emil Hirsch have good chemistry. I didn't really feel it all that much. Um, and it was kind of it was somewhat interesting with Jane Doe herself, um, what was going on with her, but. I kind of called it early on and by then once the reveal happened, it was just like, Oh, Oh, well, okay. That, that happened. <laughs> so, well, you know, I don't, I don't know if it was a, yeah, I don't think it was much of a surprise what the, you know, the ultimate, you know, discovery was, but I, I they appreciate kept, they any, kept hinting at it too. So I, I feel like yeah. it, it wasn't, I mean, the evidence, nowhere. yeah, the evidence was there. It was pretty clear and it was, you know, it was mounting, but I appreciate any kind of movie where you're watching people that are good at their jobs just do their jobs. And this is almost like a detective movie where you're just watching these guys solve this mystery. And it might not be a mystery to us, but I, I, liked, I liked watching it unfold and watching these two guys uh, piece it all together. That's funny because, I mean, he specifically, Brian Cox in the movie says, you know, we're not here to investigate. We're just here to do, do the autopsy, you know. Like well, and that's what I appreciate about that is because he he says that, but the 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 corpse Jane Doe is so strange, and they can't help but try to figure it out because it's such a uh, a weird weird thing that's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, the thing that's crazy. This movie is getting some pretty interesting hype from certain people. I don't know if, Stephen course, King. Stephen King is like going nuts, saying it's like like up there with alien that's a little that's a little much (laughs) i'm like i don't know they're also two very different movies too to an extent i mean they're different in what happens but in a lot of ways they're both like haunted house movies if you think about like a good haunted house scare movie it's just and body horror too i think they both have that going on for it yeah and you know it's just about like blue collar workers trying to do their job when, you know, supernatural or, supernatural or you know, uh, heightened scary things happen and they have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so that was your number 10. Uh, my number 10 is a movie that actually got a wide release. Um, my, <laughs> my number 10 is Deadpool. Um, the And I'll just say it now. It, it's the only comic book movie on my list. Uh, and I still say it is the best comic book movie that came out last year, uh, better than Captain America Civil War. Um, it really has everything. It has comedy. It has great action. It's, it's you know, like I mentioned, super funny. There's, there's good acting in it. And it has a very simple and concise story that's not flooded with just people punching each other in the face. Um, and... I will be very happy when it gets a Oscar nomination in a few weeks, um, just as I predicted. So, uh, Deadpool, my number ten. 
Deadpool is awesome. Uh, you know, I was, I loved it when I first saw it, and then I feel like I cooled off on it because I hadn't watched it in a while, and then I watched it again like a week or two ago, and it's it's a special movie. You know, it's it just does what it does so well, and it's so funny, and the story is not nothing. You know, we've seen this story played out before, but it it just does it in a it tells the story in a fresh way with great performances, and it's it's fucking hilarious, and it's great. Yeah, it's definitely the best comic book movie of the of last year for sure. Have you watched it with uh, commentary yet? Because the commentary with Ryan Reynolds and I forget the two writers' names, but it is it gives you a new appreciation for the movie. Reese I'll have to check it? that out. Right. Yeah, the Zombieland guys. Yeah, I I've had that script for years. I don't know. If, did we both end up reading Eric? I don't know. Or did you? Have yeah, I, I read it. Because it pretty much is the same script that. They had six or seven or eight years ago now, whenever the heck it originally came out, just was updated and then streamlined. They yeah. budget cut a lot of it and then just made all the jokes updated from what it wasn't. Like, if it was made back then with the jokes that it had in it at the time, it would have been great then, too, because as long as they followed that script. And you and know. Was, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, and I mean, the director obviously is important for not compromising the script but i feel like the style of the movie was honestly written in the script not really like yeah they didn't it wasn't the director it wasn't tim miller's choice to do all the freezing that's time that's why that's why i'm not concerned that they're moving on from tim miller because i feel like the the screenplay is strong enough to suit almost any director really uh you know i agree to that i agree with that to an extent i so i read the script when dan did way back uh, and I didn't like it at all. And uh, I think it wasn't until I saw the movie uh, that I really kind of got on board with it. I think it w- it's really execution dependent because I think all that fourth wall breaking, if not handled well, uh, could just get irritating or not be funny. Um, but I think that I think they just they made that movie as good as it could have possibly been. And. They, they, the sequel might be just as good. I think um, David Leach is is a great director. I think John Wick's great. So I think that Deadpool two could be just as good. But I do think that um, Tim Miller was very valuable in making that movie what it was. All right. Well. All right. Uh, number nine. What do we got for number nine? Number nine for me is Swiss Army Man. So. Uh, this movie, this is uh, an amazing, weird, strange movie with one of the best performances of the year uh, from Daniel Radcliffe, and um, it just—I think it just came out way too early. I mean, it was never going to be an. <laughs> you think it was going to be a award? No, come on. <laughs> it was never going to be an awards movie, but I think uh, I think people kind of forgot that it came out, and it's but it's 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 really funny. It's sweet. It's um, strange. Paul Dano is great as the lead, and uh, you've got my girl Mary Elizabeth Winstead in there. Uh, it's it's a great movie. Uh, I didn't know she was in there, so it's even more reason for me to check it out. Yeah, briefly, but she's in there. Um, yeah, not counts. A, she's in she's there more than a, she's in Die Hard Five, so it counts. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, I still don't know how I feel about Swiss Army Man. I saw it back in what was it May that it came out. Um, yeah, something like that. 
I still don't know how I feel about it. I don't know if it's a good movie or not. I'm not sure. <laughs> well, let, let me uh, confirm for you that it is, in fact, a very good movie. I mean... So you can, you can put that question to rest. There's some good elements, but I don't know if it comes together in the right way. I don't know. It's it's. I, I guess it, it's better than just thinking that it's 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 awful at least it, it makes you think like oh well what what exactly am i watching and i know um the ending had me a little uh i was a little interested in 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 piecing together what exactly they were going for for the ending um but i i really don't know it's it's very hard to to figure out how i feel about swiss army man uh Fair and you know, it, it's a it's a strange movie, and you gotta. I think you gotta come at it from the right point of view. It's got a very interesting kind of magical realism thing about it, and uh, there's a question of what's real and what's not, and you know how much of what we're we've watched for the past ninety minutes happened and how much didn't, and is this corpse really farting and talking, or or what? Uh, but uh, I I found it to be really special. All right. Um, my number nine is a documentary. I just, it's it's going to be okay. Don't worry. It's <laughs> mm-hmm. um, my number nine is De Palma, which is the uh, documentary about Brian De Palma, the director, uh, which was, I believe, directed by. Uh, oh God! Now I'm forgetting the guy who directed it. Um, Jesus! I, uh, da, 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 he's an indie. I don't think it was him. No. <laughs> but anyway, um, I should have written that down. Uh, but De Palma is... Yeah, it was uh, Noah Baumbach. There you go. That's who it is. Oh. Uh, but basically, it's a documentary about his entire career, but it's only him. Like, it's only him talking about it, and it's just a single camera on him for a good 90 minutes where he goes down his entire filmmaking career, and it's so interesting. The stories that he tells are... Um, just fascinating and he's he's an interesting dude in the first place but um you know just hearing him talk about like you know all the stuff that went through with you know with scarface and 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 dressed to kill and all the great movies that he's done and it's it's really it's especially if you like documentaries about movies or or filmmakers it's a really interesting piece i didn't even know that came out so, <laughs> yeah, it came out. Over, it came out over the summer. Um, it didn't get a, a wide release, but it is on uh, Amazon streaming, I believe. So, um, anyone who's interested in checking it out, I definitely highly recommend it. It's uh, especially if you're if you're a fan of his, definitely check it out. But even if you're not a fan, like he has some good, interesting stories, and most of his movies we all know about. So. You know, even if you don't really care for his stuff, it's still uh, an interesting watch. Yeah, you know, I haven't seen this doc, but I do love Brian De Palma, so I'm going to have to check it out at some point. All right, number eight. Number eight for me is uh, one of the best horror movies to be released in a long time, uh, The Witch, which I first saw... uh, Back in 2015, uh, but then um, I forgot you came, got, you got to see it way before I did. Yeah, I got to see it way early, but then it came out what in February, I think. And uh, I think last year was a great year for horror, but 
almost, there was very few movies that came out after this that really topped it. It's just like such a beautiful, um, slow, somber, and well-crafted film. You know, it, there's shades Wait of like a first-time director and knock it out of the park with something that is heavy as that. Yeah, it's kind of and movie. it's it's so heavy and unique, and there's nothing quite like it. And it does the period so well that what like 1600s Massachusetts, um, it's and it's it's scary, and the characters are great, and the drama between you know within this family being terrorized by a witch is as good as just the the horror elements themselves. Yeah, and the, the, the chick, uh, Anna Joy Taylor, whatever her name is, is, is incredible as the main character, like, the journey she goes through in this movie. It's a great transformative performance where we, she kind of comes of age uh, in, a, in a weird way. And, and you know what? Kudos to, to all the actors, really, even the kids, like the little kids. They somehow were able to get the little kids to speak in that old language and be convincingly good kid actors. And, uh, some, I mean, the one criticism... It, it, it could have been really easy to have kids be really annoying. Oh, absolutely. Doing. And they were somewhat yeah, annoying, sure. but it's... But it they, was, were, they were annoying as far as the story goes yeah. on purpose, but they weren't annoying as, like, to watch. As performers, yeah. 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 And, um, you know, I, all the acting is great. Um, the One of the other complaints is the just how how heavy some of the, the accents and what they're saying is, which I guess it would be, make it better if, if it was subtitled at times. But um, but I've, I feel like it is probably the most effective horror movie of the year. Um, and I, I remember back at the time when it came out, I was making a lot of comparisons to uh, The Exorcist, which to me, it feels very much in that same vein. Um and it's it's just I mean what else can you say about it? It's 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 just great. It's perfect. It's a perfect horror movie. Um, I watched I saw The Shining again in a on thirty five millimeter recently, and it reminds me a lot of that. It's just very slow and precise and perfect. It's cold, but uh, yeah, I love it. It's it's a it's a perfect masterpiece of a horror film. It's funny you mentioned The Shining because some elements of the score for the witch made me think of 2001 specifically like the, uh, the scenes where they're in space with the monolith. Um, mm-hmm. sounded very familiar, but, uh, that's, that's an interesting comparison. Um, yeah. If you're going to steal, steal from the best. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we need to talk about that scene at the bridge though, because that <laughs> <laughs> no one's going to get that. Um, Oh geez. So anyway, <laughs> I had to throw that in there. Um, my number eight is let's see, it might be the only comedy on this on this list. Now that I'm looking at it, I think it's well, mo- the only pure comedy on this list. I wonder if it's what I'm thinking, but we'll see. It probably is what you're thinking. Uh, my number eight is the Nice Guys. Is that what you were yes. thinking? Yep. Okay. Um, yeah, Shane Black uh, doing buddy cop movies again great um ryan gosling is great in the movie i think he's he's better in this movie than he is in la la land and la la land's the thing that he's getting the most recognition for but he's oddly enough really good at comedy and not just comedy but physical comedy too 
Um, and you know, Russell Crowe's there. I mean, he's he's good. He's funny, but like he's <laughs> he's, he's there. just there. Um, it's more so Ryan Gosling's movie and the the kid. I don't remember the 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 name well, of. Well, he's actress. playing the straight man. Ryan Gosling's. Yeah. You know, crazy. So. Um, but the the kid's really good in the movie. Um, and it's just it's a really solid buddy cop movie that pretty much hits on almost every beat and. Uh, and yeah, uh, I, I wish that Shane Black would just do more of these type of movies instead of, you know, comic book movies or remakes of uh, movies that he wrote before. So, uh, uh, yeah, The Nice Guy is amazing. Shane Black is my favorite screenwriter. Um, it's, a, it's a great movie. I would disagree that Russell Crowe is just there. I think he is as funny as Ryan Gosling is, just in a... As a, a straight man. A, yeah, as a, he's a little drier. But, uh, I mean, Gosling really does give one of the great comedic performances of our time, I, th- I think. I think he's, it's his, I think it is one of his best performances ever. I think he kind he of, is just so good. He kind of overshadows but, Russell Crowe a bit. I, I was dying from the very first scene where he punches the window and, <laughs> like, from yeah, that it's point amazing. on, I was just, it, every time he was on screen, he was making me laugh in that movie. And I haven't had that in a long time where a character, even Deadpool at some points, I didn't laugh at some of the jokes in there. But every time Ron Gosling was doing something on screen in the Nice Guys, it was hilarious. Yeah, and he just, he delivers Shane Black's dialogue so perfectly. And he's just so in that character. Like, he really disappears into that character. And now we need to see Robert Downey Jr. and Ron Gosling in a movie that Shane Black directs. <laughs> Oh, that would be the best. Although I think that they're uh, they're trying to make a sequel at some point. Um, it's going to be a little tough because apparently Shane Black has like ten different movies he's trying to work on. But um, I, I mean, well, I'd that's be what happens when you make Iron Man three. So I mean, he made this after <laughs> Iron Man. In fact, this was originally supposed to be a TV series. That uh, was turned into a movie because I. As I'm saying, he has so many projects now because Iron Man three was so successful. Now he can make whatever he wants again. He's basically back where he was in the '80s again. I guess. And you know what? I'm happy as long as he keeps making stuff. I don't care what it is. I'm really excited for the Predator. I think it's going to be great. Um, just more. The more Shane Black, the better. I actually wholeheartedly agree with, with that sentiment. All right, uh, number seven. Uh, so number seven for me is uh, the new movie from, I think, one of the most promising directors out there right now. It's uh, Jeremy Saulnier's Green Room, which is just a, a incredibly intense little ball of violence of a movie. Um, That's an interesting with, way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it winds you up and, you know, uh, it's just so friggin' intense, and you got these great actors in this very contained story, and you just watch them all die brutal, grisly oh, deaths. Spoiler, one and, by one. And it's so much more poignant knowing that, like, I mean, I didn't see Star Trek Beyond, so I don't know. Oh, you're missing out. I, I'm assuming comparatively, Anton Yelchin is much better in Green Room. Just not, not that he's bad well, as Chekhov, from what I hear, but like for. I mean, for for final performance, it, I mean, it is one to go album, which sucks because he's literally a day. He's literally a day older than me. He was born <laughs> the day after, or the day before me. I was like, damn, like 
we were one day apart in age, and that dude died from some horrible, horrible accident. That is it technically his final performance? Because I thought I saw something where he had one more in the can before he died. Well, he he's also the star of uh, Guillermo del Toro's animated show that's just on Netflix, show, right? Yeah, yep. So I don't know if that's technically his last performance. Yeah, or there's. What. There's a couple more that are coming out. He there's a movie called Rememory um, coming out soon, uh, actually. Um, and then he has another movie called Thoroughbred, uh, which comes out in oh soon as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then he is in a movie called We Don't Belong Here. Uh, it doesn't have a release date on it, but. So there's there's three in the can that he has. I feel like that might have been the one he was working on or going to work on when the accident happened, uh, from from what I remember reading, because he was supposed to leave to go meet like his cast members for something he was making at the time. So I don't know if that's what it was, but go back from being you know morbidly upset about, it, but like all the characters in this movie are great, and I mean Patrick Stewart puts in one of the best villain roles of the year for sure and he's never really someone that you look at as a villain you know he's prototypical good guy but he goes and then just nails it uh, as a that's... as a bad guy and then is it macon blair is that is that his name yeah the, the guy that was in uh blue ruin also which is another incredible movie by jeremy Songe. um but he's great as this character like i don't obviously i don't want to go into what actually happens but he's great as this character that as I the guess. most sympathetic, yeah, Nazi you'll sympathetic see. of the, the Nazis because it is a movie where it's punks versus Nazis. Yeah, we forgot to mention that part. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it, they go to this club, and the first song they play is "Nazi Punks Fuck Off" by the Dead Kennedys, like in front of this. And I was like, man, these kids have some fucking balls. <laughs> I will say, if you're talking uh, best villain performance of the year, I don't know if, if it's technically classified as a, as a villainous performance, but I would say Ben Foster was better than Patrick Stewart was um, in Green Room. But not, not saying that he wasn't good, but to me, it was a, a, a bit more of a performance. Like Patrick Stewart kind of just kept it a little low, low key for most yeah, of it until the very Foster end. Ben Foster in what, Hell or High Water? Yeah. That- Okay, um, I didn't see that. So I, didn't I would <laughs> agree with that too. Um, Patrick Stewart is very good in Green Room, but it's there's not a lot to that character. Uh, he's very, he's just menacing. He's very, is it, he's very cold and, and short. Yeah, he's very calculated. It's a, it's a great little role. Um, ben Foster in Hell or High Water is like a real nuanced performance, um, but we get to spend a lot more time with that character than we do. With, um, That's true. Yeah, Patrick Stewart. One of the great things about Green Room is that, so the plot of the story is that this band, the Ain't Rights, are trapped in the green room of this neo-Nazi club, um, and they've witnessed a murder. Uh, but one of the strengths of the movie is that we spend most of the time in that green room with the band, and so we're just as cooped up as they are. So because of that, the neo-Nazis are... Uh, not fleshed out as much 
though I don't know how much you can really flesh out. But they don't really need to be because it's just... They don't need to be. No, not yeah, at all. They don't need to be because they're Nazis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, no, but it's <laughs> but, like they're not... You know, you know. They're not really characters, but, uh, and they're they're led by Patrick, Patrick Stewart. So it's not like, you know, they need... Each one of them needs a backstory to them, you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I feel like... And there's another thing. I don't know if it's because I'm very into that type of music and i've been to plenty of hardcore shows and everything like that like but the intensity of this movie along with the music and everything like it, it all feels like authentic to to that like scene if that makes sense like the, the movie feels like a punk movie like it really has this like hardcore punk like overtones to it throughout the whole thing yeah i 100 percent agree and I, I know that uh saulnier spent a lot of his youth in the hardcore scene and uh you can really feel the authenticity and you can feel that he he knows the scene and he cares about these people and um that's i mean the movie works because the the character the band um they're all they're all, they're all great you know you've also besides anton um yelchin you've got uh alia shawkat in there and uh, and she's always she's been great since the rest of development mm-hmm. and um Imogene Poots is not yeah. a band member, but somebody else that's a main character of the movie. Mm-hmm. She's really and she's a, and she's an even more interesting character because she is a Nazi, or and but you know she's also maybe the second lead of the film, and uh, it's a very uh, nuanced and interesting uh, character. Yeah, and, and, and the dogs in this movie are no joke. Let's just put it <laughs> yeah. that way. I don't think I've seen something that realistic looking like for pra- this movie is like a, a amazing practical effects movie too. Yeah. That's just what I was about to say. There's everything in this movie from what I could tell was practical, um, which is and, yeah. Great. Yeah. In any just world, this wins all like this wins the makeup Oscar because I've never seen practical uh, gore effects look this realistic and gross and just repulsive. It's yeah, I mean, like, you've never seen someone get stabbed like they get stabbed in the green room. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's funny because, like, when we first saw it, it was at that screening in Philly, and the projector was off. It was just too dark, and yeah. it was hard I to could really see, see. I could see it pretty well. I know you were having I was having issues. Um, but uh, it was definitely amazing the first time i saw it and then it was even better when there's more light well, on of it, course obviously. it was better the second time and the second time <laughs> you could see the effects better too because it wasn't as dark and it's a dark it's a dark movie to begin with so that makes it kind of worse <laughs> um but yeah so but overall a uh, great movie like i um, said that that's my number one movie this year still nothing that i saw since green room has felt better to me like uh, and i think it's probably my attachment to that kind of music and everything too there's just something about it maybe it's the the time of my life that i was really into going to shows and everything that i'm thinking about so it's great all right uh my number seven is a monster calls um which uh is interesting because it seems like the advertisements for the movie make it seem like just a, a, a fun, adventurous kids movie, and it is anything but that. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's 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 very 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 interesting, especially considering how I didn't really know much about it until going in to see the movie, 
And um, it's a very touching and almost pretty much heartbreaking film about this this little kid who, um, you know, his he. I don't want. I don't know what's. Is there something wrong with the kid? Like, is was that established in the movie at all? Because I felt like maybe he was like, you know, I don't know, a little special a little bit. <laughs> I think he's just a. He's a little sensitive, and you know, he's a little depressed. But with good reason. Yeah. Um, so it's it's this kid and uh, his mom, who's played by Felicity Jones. Uh, she she has a, a disease, and uh, you know it's like him, um, pretty much just dealing with this. And he does that through the help of a giant uh, tree monster, voiced by Liam Neeson, who actually gives one of the best voiceover performances uh, that I can ever remember. Um, and it's just really, it's really touching and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it kind of hits you like a ton of bricks, but, uh, it, uh, it's, 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 it's very well made. Uh, I know, I forget the name of the director, but he's also doing the new Jurassic World movie. Um, uh, J.A. Bayona, is that? Yeah, that's his name. That's um, him. He did a great job with the story. Uh, I love the sequences with the uh, the, the watercolor um, animation sequences, and yeah, overall, it's just it's a really great, well put together film that really makes you, I guess, feel. <laughs> is the best way to put it. <laughs> yeah, you know, I I absolutely love this movie, and it uh, it's a real you know, it's a tearjerker for sure. Um, it's just so powerful and i've i've seen um some people and i've talked to some people that have called it you know emotionally manipulative or no saccharine or whatever but i i mean it it i think it tells an important story you know kind of a universal story and it does it well and just because you know uh we've seen cancer movies before doesn't mean that you can't tell you know you can't make another one uh, but this one is just a beautiful, beautiful film, and it's so sad and cathartic. And uh, yeah, I I uh, I was like weeping through the last half of the movie. It's a it's a tough watch, but a really rewarding one. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, number six. So my number six is the nice guys. So uh, oh, we're <laughs> uh, yeah, I liked it a little more than you did, Sean. That's um, well, <laughs> well, hold on. <laughs> uh, uh, no, you know, uh, I guess what I want to say about this one is, um, I think that Shane Black is so good about, uh, he's so good at writing a mystery and, but writing in a mystery in a way that, um, maybe all the pieces aren't actually there for us to solve it. So we're not always ahead of the, the detectives in the movie. And he's just, um, he's, we all know his characters are great, but he's a really a master at plotting a, an interesting movie. And, uh, in this one, which I would say is maybe his most overtly comedic movie, all of his movies are funny, but this one is, feels more like a comedy than even kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Um, but that still doesn't, he doesn't sacrifice what makes all of his other, um, movies so great. And he does it in a way where, like, he doesn't make you feel stupid for not knowing what's going on. Like, some no. movies would be like, yeah. oh, well, you, you should be able to keep up with the movie. Like, he's doing it intentionally, and it, and it makes you 
invested in the story more to find out what happens, which is what a good mystery should do. I, I, I will say, though, that the the idea of, not to spoil, and I'll do this in a non-spoiler way, but the idea of using the, the film reel as your kind of, almost in a way, a MacGuffin was uh, a little out there for me, but I feel like it works in the, in the sense of the entire movie. Um, because it does take place in in Hollywood, and uh, you know, in that regard, I can see why. But it was a little little, I don't know, hokey in a, a, a bit. Uh, that that plot device. I don't know what you guys feel. Um. Yeah. I don't. I don't. Uh. I didn't. I didn't feel that way. I. You know, because I think the the central piece to the mystery is. Uh. A porno where the plot is what matters, which I think is <laughs> yeah, just the the funniest idea, and um, and yeah, I didn't have a, a problem with the the film reel thing, especially because that finale where they're all running after it is uh, so well directed that I can forgive any uh, possible hokiness. Mm-hmm. And and the bathroom stall scene is an all time classic. <laughs> Oh yeah, the physical comedy is just so good, and like even when uh, earlier in the movie, when Ryan or not not earlier, like midway through, when uh, Ryan Gosling discovers the corpse, and he's, <laughs> he falls he's, over the ledge. Yeah, he falls over the ledge, <laughs> and then he uh, he finds the corpse, and he starts doing like a a uh, Lou Costello impression. Like he's <laughs> yeah. so exasperated, he can't even get the words out. He it's it's a really masterful performance. It's, I, you know, I, I like Ryan Gosling. I've always liked him. Um, but I'm beginning to f- see now how versatile he is. Whereas maybe before I thought he was a little more one note, but I, I'm, I'm a really big fan of his. All right. Um, my number six is, uh, Arrival. Um, which I finally figured out the way to pronounce the director's name. <laughs> Uh, I believe uh, the correct pronunciation is Denis Villeneuve. I believe is how you say it. Um, and yeah, I'll buy I, that. yeah. Um, another another great uh, great film from him. Um, I believe was Sicario last year as, uh, or 2015. I think. Um, uh, yeah, I think so. 2015. Yeah, so he's so geez, he's going uh, three years in a row. Maybe we'll, we'll see what he does with Blade Runner, but. Uh, um, it's just, it's, it's, um, it's an interesting take on, uh, a science fiction film that is very much part of the science portion and kind of a little bit, uh, almost about humanity in a way too. Um, more so than the fiction part, like everything that happened in the movie is very realistic and, uh, you know, obviously you have the great, the great shots of, of the spaceship and everything, but, um, but the story itself, and you don't really find out what the movie's really about until maybe about halfway through, if not a little, little longer. Um, and, uh, all the, all the performances are great minus Forrest Whitaker. Um, and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's really, and when you break it down, it's a movie and it's funny because she's playing a, a linguist in the movie. Uh, it's really a movie about communication that's literally what the movie's about. And um, and it also has a little subtext to it, which is revealed at the end of the movie. I won't give away what it is. But um, that really 
makes you th- it makes you think. You know, I, again, not giving anything away, but it, it's really a, a head scratcher when you get to the end. Uh, from a, from an emotional standpoint, it's pretty clear cut what happens. But um, but yeah, so Arrival. <laughs> yeah, Arrival is incredible. I've seen it a few times, and um, it gets better every time. And you know what I I like the sci-fi elements are great and uh but i just i just like watching you know it's kind of like what i liked about autopsy of jane doe i just like watching these characters doing their job and trying to figure you know trying to communicate with these aliens and what it takes to for them to uh you know learn a new language and and build up this communication it, it's just watching uh, talented people do their jobs well professionals do their jobs and that's great. The performances are amazing, and uh, yeah, that that ending really just kind of uh, really pulls it all together mm. in a emotionally satisfying. And it's another uh, potentially sad movie, but it it all uh, comes together in a way that it's just as hopeful as it is uh, kind of sad and depressing. And yeah, I could. I kept yelling at Sean because every single movie we, we've gone to like in the past four months <laughs> has been sad as hell by the end of the movie. <laughs> every single one. I'm like, oh my God. That's that's why I didn't ask you to go to Manchester by the Sea because I just knew I, <laughs> there's no point in it. Just... More misery. <laughs> no, I, I, I enjoyed Arrival as well, but that definitely was more of my honorable mentions out of what I've seen. Definitely not up there in my favorites, but... Uh, I definitely think that he's one of the emergent directors right now. And Blade Runner is like, I don't know, but then it's Ryan Gosling. So it's, it, it, it could, it could go either way. I feel like with, with that one. But I mean, everything, I don't want to say that it's going to be great, but everything is in place to make it great. So I'm very hopeful in, in, in Blade Runner. Well, I guess it all depends on how much you like the original Blade Runner, which mileage you know, may I, vary. I, yeah, exactly. I go back and forth. On I, that I one, like so. the director's cut. <laughs> which one? <laughs> the director's cut. There's only one director's cut. There's there's five cuts, but only one director's cut. Uh, I don't even know which cuts which at this. Yeah, point. I can't keep track of them anymore. I usually watch the final cut, I guess, because it's the most recent one. But mm-hmm. I mean, that's the whole. I've, Blade Runner is great. I do think it's kind of a slog, though. I'm not sure how good it really is or if it's just because it's beautiful and it sounds great and it's considered a classic or if I actually think it's a good movie. Um, But I think uh, Villeneuve is a great director and he hasn't really made a bad movie. So I'll see anything he makes. The ball's definitely in his court to, to nail it. So, yeah. Yeah. But as far as Arrival goes, back to the movie from last year, um, I feel like Jeremy Renner didn't get enough attention for, like, as good as he was a supporting character in this movie. Like, especially, you can't go into spoilers for what he is, what happens with him. But it, the way that he played that so well throughout the movie didn't really tip us off to... I know, I understand. It, it, it can't, yeah. It, he's not, like, but he's not a flashy character in the movie, no. you know. It's like, that's not that's not the type of character that gets any sort of award recognition. No, I'm not talking about that, just in general. Like, 
not even award recognition. Just I feel like he was the better role, like in the movie. I, I don't know. He's great in the movie. Yeah. I, I, I think Jeremy Renner is kind of like one of our, our great underrated actors. I think he might be the best actor in uh, in Captain America Civil War. Um, and yeah, he, he does some subtle work in Arrival. It's not, definitely not a flashy role, but you need him and his kind of his, his stable, you know, rock of a performance yeah. for everything else to come together because yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I otherwise you're stuck with amy adams who we're not sure is or is not going crazy and forrest whitaker who is we don't even know where he's from he might not even be human yeah he's another species of alien altogether well, he, he sounds like it <laughs> <laughs> he just loves his wacky accents i don't know i don't know what's up with him recently i, I guess i don't i could I, <laughs> Maybe it's, just, I mean, I know he has an Oscar and everything, but maybe it's just like he's choosing to do these things and people aren't saying no because he has an Oscar. Yeah. Did he you have know, an I, accent in Taken 3 also? I didn't see it. I don't I, think I he did. It. No? Did he Did you do that one straight? I, I never saw it, but I felt like I thought he had one. I don't remember too. him having one. <laughs> and, you know, I don't think he's bad in Arrival um, no, it's just but the accent. accent he's very really distracting. You can't, you can't understand what he's saying worse than some of the stuff in The Witch. Sometimes I feel like, like, do we know what accent he was? Was it uh, supposed to be a Boston accent? That's what I thought, but it was like Chicago. I don't know. It it kind of it like just weird. it was like an amalgamation of like ten different accents. It it, it sounded awful. <laughs> um. So anyway, but, yep. Uh, where are we? And at? Then, Oh, go ahead. Uh, I believe we're, I was going to say, and that shot of uh, of the the camera cresting over the horizon, even though it, it must be all CG that they did all the, the fog, yeah. the ship and everything, that, that's definitely one of my oh. favorite shots of the whole year. That, all the effects it. look good. The only effects that yeah. were a little iffy were the actual aliens themselves, which that's just because, I mean, that's part of the, uh, you know, it's like they're, we know that they're not real, so... You, you can kind of spot them as opposed to like building something that looks real like to us it's a little easier to spot something like that out but um but those were the only effects that kind of were i don't want to say were poorly done but um we're not as convincing as the big landscaping shots with the spaceships and all this, the ships look good and everything too even the uh the effect of them um walking opposite to the gravity of of the ship it, remember the shot where they're like upside down or like on the side of the yeah, ship and they jump up and the yeah. gravity picks them up on and sideways that was, that was funny because we were a little close to the screen and uh watching that felt a little uneasy <laughs> <laughs> uh you know i i thought the aliens looked pretty good actually there was there is a a few minutes uh though where they have to do some floating hair effects mm-hmm. that were particularly uh, unpolished looking. Floating hair. Yeah. Uh, towards the end of the movie, she's uh, on board the alien ship, and they make her hair look like it's underwater. Oh, it's I might, floating. She's wearing I, like a, I, I must not like, have thought that. I, I feel like they they might have shot her underwater and then realized that it didn't work, so they just. CGI'd it or something like yeah she she basically looks like she's wearing a ball cap and then they just put hair on her in post oh and it it's pretty distracting but you know I don't I 
I can forgive some wonky special effects as long as the movie's good. Yeah, but that's, that movie is very good. That's nothing though, because I recently saw the the new Pirates trailer again, and Javier Bardem's hair in that trailer is like, yeah. uh, Dan, you'll get this. It's like in like the previous uh, WWE 2K games where the hair would just float around and like it yeah. wouldn't be attached to anyone's body, but it would just be like, oh, it's just like has a mind of its own. That's 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 what it reminds me of texture glitch just a, just a tad um yeah. all right so uh why don't actually before we go to number five why don't we give a a, a quick rundown of um our 10 through six real quick just to catch people up um I'll, I'll go real quick my number 10 was deadpool number nine De palma number eight the nice guys number seven a monster calls and number six arrival Alrighty. Uh, so my number 10 was The Autopsy of Jane Doe. Number 9 was Swiss Army Man. Number 8 was The Witch. 7 was Green Room. 6 was The Nice Guys. And my number 5 pick is a very small horror movie that came out that kind of just uh, flew under the radar this year called The Eyes of My Mother. Uh, which I, is, I, um, yeah, have you heard of this one? I've heard of it. Uh, I'm gonna do a quick. I haven't uh, had any way to see it yet. I'm gonna do a quick uh, IMDb search and see if this jogs my memory. So this is a it's a very small, very short, um, black and white movie. Um, super super indie, low budget. About um, it's kind of a character study of a an Ed Gein type um, serial killer. It's about this young girl. And we watch her kind of grow up through um, three vignettes that span her life uh, as she um, uh, kind of becomes. Uh, so she's a little unstable and she um, we see her descend into a uh, life of uh, serial killing and necrophilia and and good stuff. It's a really <laughs> <laughs> all the things it's, that make up the perfect movie oh yeah it's it's wonderful it's a it's a very small movie there's only a few um actors in it uh everyone but everyone is great it's just like a really well-crafted kind of a serial killer origin story uh and it's you know it's 77 minutes long so it uh you can watch it you know in it's very easy to watch and um I think it's on VOD right now, and uh, I at one point I had this as my number one, and uh, I could still consider it definitely one of my favorite movies of the year. It's uh, it's great. I mean, it's it's hard to to say much about it because it's um, there isn't much to it. It's a very simple movie. It's quiet. It's not slow, um, but there's not a lot of incident. It's really just the character study of watching this uh, this very unusual uh, kind of sick person and seeing life through their eyes. Is it is it kind of like a, a female version of like a Henry almost? Like, or would would you say? Yeah, you know, I I would say it's uh, that would be a very good way to describe it. It's not quite as uh, I mean, Henry is a is a crazy crazy movie this yeah. one's a, maybe a little more subdued this um, one also looks it, a lot more stylized too yeah it's um it's half in english half in portuguese oh. uh 
and um, so it's a lot of it's subtitled. And yeah, it's it's very um, it's a little arty, you know. It is in black and white and everything, but it's um, it's really good. I w- yeah, I would say it's a lot like Henry actually. Hmm. Well, <laughs> looking at the IMDb, I can definitely say I've I've never heard of the movie. Um, but looking at the stills, it looks interesting. Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, this is one that was. So I was playing at Fantastic Fest, but I missed it, and I had to wait till it came on VOD. So I only saw it a few weeks ago, uh, but it really stuck with me, and it's uh, it's pretty disturbing, and um, it's great. Yeah, I I I really really love this movie. All right. Um, oddly enough, my number five is very similar. Um, my number five is La La Land. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. Uh, where do we begin here? Um, so I, I don't want to say I went into the movie with low expectations because I'm not a musical guy. Um, but it, it, it was, they, I think they handled it well because it wasn't full on musical numbers just every five minutes, which is what I was fearing. Um, in fact, there's like a good hour of the movie where there's just no musical numbers at all. It's just, actual comedy slash drama between Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling. Um, but you know what? The musical numbers that are in there are well done and the songs are catchy. Um, and I, I th- you know, they have good chemistry between the two of them. And, uh, you know, it was, it was an enjoyable, enjoyable watch. And, uh, you know, it, does it deserve all the praise that it's getting, especially, you know, winning every single golden globe known to man. Uh, probably not, but, uh, it's, it's definitely a very, it's, it's a nice little, I don't want to say it a love letter, but it's kind of a love letter to, uh, Los Angeles in a way. Um, but yeah, no, my number five. Yeah. La La Land is great. It's actually like number 11 on my list. So it just, just missed being in the top 10. Um, but it's a beautiful movie. Damien Chazelle is a, it's a, really great director i think you know he's only made two movies but you can just tell he really knows film well and he can blend music and film really well together mm-hmm. and i love the music um you know ryan gosling and emma stone aren't the best singers and they aren't the best dancers but they ha- they're charming and they make you it talk work. about it. ryan gosling was in the mickey mouse club come on now. oh yeah <laughs> Uh, so he's got the pedigree, but, um, yeah, you know, it, it's a great movie. I loved it. It's a great, um, it's a great romance. And then that last 10 minutes or so is just, uh, an all timer scene. Which apparently I heard uh, is, uh, is actually a shot by shot remake of another, uh, French musical movie. I don't remember the name of it, but I heard it's the just, umbrellas it, of Cherbourg. Is that what it is? I believe so, yeah. Which okay. is a is a that's a an amazing movie and way better than La La Land. But uh <laughs> but La La Land is still great. Yeah. Um my one main problem with La La Land and it's kind of an issue and I don't want to give away uh spoilers or anything, but um basically at at one point in the movie, uh, Emma Stone is upset with Ryan Gosling because, you know, he's focusing on his career and everything. And, you know, their relationship is kind of falling apart a bit. Um, And she kind of becomes a hypocrite and does the same thing to him, which makes me, 
I don't know. I, I, it kind of made me feel a little bad for Ryan Gosling because it's like, dude, you, you, <laughs> she was coming at you for, for, for you attempting to, to start your career and do something good with your life. And now she, you do the, she does the same thing to you. And I guess we're just supposed to forget about that. Is not, not even bring it up. Well, I think she was mad at him because he was clearly unhappy doing something that he hated to make money rather than doing what he wanted to do. Whereas Emma Stone is always trying to achieve her dreams, whether it be, you know, being a one woman show or make a movie. But she knew that Ryan Gosling didn't want to be in in that weird jazz techno funk band yeah but the ultimate goal was to do that for a certain amount of time so he could get enough money to open up his own jazz club that was that was the goal it's well, just she that, was that impatient was the original plan but by the time he was in it he was too far in it like he, yeah he couldn't like he he was not on that track anymore he, they were at that big dinner scene where it all blows up he says that he's in this band for the you know with no end in sight, really. Yeah, yeah the yeah. long haul. So, I, I get what you're saying to an extent, but I feel and like... Then, and then, right after that, he misses her big day, which is pretty unforgivable. Yeah, but she wasn't very good anyway. <laughs> well, we don't know. We didn't see it. Exactly. They didn't want to show us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I was on her side. Because she wanted, just she just wanted him to be happy doing what he loves, and he, I mean, the 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 big scene where he performs with the band is is great. I think the the John Legend song is actually pretty good, but uh, it's pretty funny watching him perform this stuff that he clearly is disinterested in, and she's just getting. It's a great scene where she's just getting pushed back by the masses of screaming girls okay well then how come how come when she hits it big spoiler and uh, she uh you know she's making all this money and why how come she doesn't just be like okay well i can now afford for both of us and now we can we can actually you know get back together well you know sometimes uh, relationships just aren't meant to be maybe she met her husband on the set of that movie that she made in paris you never you don't know i'm just saying i think she may maybe have overreacted just a tiny bit (laughs) uh looking back like uh, when the movie ended like at first i was like it's not an ending that i wanted to see happen but now like the more i I look back on everything like if it had them end up back together again in the end and that was really the ending of the movie spoiler sorry but we're, we're too far it, anyway <laughs> it would have it, it would have been too cookie cutter to me like that's true i'm not saying I that they should have ended the ending it needed yeah i think I'm, it had to end this way i'm not saying that they had to get back together but just like i don't know her... having, having that entire scene of them going through it in, in her head or whatever it was that it happened that was more effective because then you're like oh this is what could have been but it wasn't what was supposed to happen. Like mm. that—that's the message I think the movie was trying to, to say. Yeah, I don't think those two were ever gonna live happily ever after. I think they were able to push each other in the right direction, and they are—they're living probably happier like, lives. He—he kind now. of re- reverted back to what he was when they first met, and she wasn't that interested in him when they were going out because you remember she met him while he was playing gigs that he didn't want to have any part of. And then he ended up doing that 
all the time. So I feel like he went regressed back to that spot. So I feel like well, he he did get his own club, which was yeah, the goal. Yeah, at the end, yeah. But I was saying when he was playing in the big band, he was playing stuff he didn't want to play and like right. He was faking it, but in the beginning of the movie, when she ran into him all the time, he was you know playing like flock of seagulls and stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's that's actually a good point. Yeah, it it you know. It's an interesting uh, love story in that it's kind of a almost a toxic relationship that we're watching. It, it's very and similar. Five Hundred Days of Summer, I want to say, just the musical version of a similar toxic relationship. Like, yeah, I think unfortunately, that's fair. I've been in a few of those, so it hits a little closer to home for me. <laughs> Same here. All right. Well, let's not get bogged down in uh, relationship talk. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh where are we at number four four number four so my number four is uh the return of one of my very very favorite directors and he hadn't done anything in a long time it's paul verhoven's l uh so this is a it's a maybe the most paul verhoven movie he could have made so this movie opens with um, it's a French film, and it opens with a Isabella Huppert's character being brutally raped um, in her own home, and uh, we follow this character who's got a a. Uh, this is a really hard movie to describe. There's a lot of rape. Uh, <laughs> she kind of falls in love with her rapist. Oh boy. Um, and it's about um, taking control of your life, and it's it's kind of anti-feminist, but at the same time, it's ultra-feminist. Uh, it's a very hard movie to describe unless you've seen it. Uh, but it's you know it's got all the crazy sex and violence and revenge angles that you would want out of a Paul Verhoeven movie. Um, it's very extreme and it's very pulpy. Uh, and it, but it's anchored by an incredible performance, uh, one of the probably the best performance of the year from anyone in any category. I will say I was glad to see him at the Golden Globes because uh, it's been a while um, since. I, I mean, what was the last movie that he did? I don't even remember. His last movie was Black Book, the um, World War Two Holocaust movie. That doesn't even doesn't even ring a bell. Yeah. <laughs> It was a Dutch movie, I believe. Okay. Okay. Made in his home country. Um, yeah. And that came out in 2006. Oh, okay. So, yeah. No, so, 10 years. What, what, has he been doing anything else in the meantime? Like writing or producing, um, I guess? Is that what he was I doing? I think he, he actually did write a book in, in between about like the historical Jesus. He's, a, he's actually a, a scholar in um, his, historical... Christianity, and I think he directed no shit, really? a short or something. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he's a really interesting guy, and I was just really glad to see him make another movie, especially one as good as this, because I would stack this up against anything else he's made. Hmm. Well, I, I do expect it to be a front runner for best foreign language film come the Oscar time. Um, I don't. What's the name of the actress? I forget her name. Um, Help me out here. I, I believe it's Isabella Huppert. Okay. Uh, do you think she has a chance at winning for Best Actress? Because I assume she's going to be nominated. Uh, 
I think she absolutely has a chance, but I do think that, um, I think, so it's Isabel Huppert, and um, I think she should win. Like, if I was going to give the award, I would give it to her, but I think Emma Stone is pretty much a lock. I wouldn't say that. Well, why not? Why wouldn't you say that? Well, unless we're talking about Jennifer Lawrence, I don't feel like there are any locks anymore uh, when it comes to the Oscars. She wasn't even a lock. Well, not when. Uh, well, that the first. Uh, what was it? The first time she won for Silver Linings Playbook. Um, mm-hmm. You know that was pretty much uh, everyone expected that. Yeah. Everyone expected her to win for American Hustle too, which didn't happen either. Um, but I, I, I just, I feel like they're going to overlook Emma Stone simply because I don't know if the Academy, first of all, it's not, I mean, she's not like known as like a, a dramatic actress. So that might hurt her a little bit, but, uh, but I feel like, the, I mean, for example, like a Natalie Portman, I could see getting a lot of attention too. again, playing a real life person that always helps. Um, and I mean, if you're, you know, the role that you're explaining here, that sounds somewhat Academy worthy too. Um, but you know, singing and dancing is always a hard to, it's always hard to get an Oscar from, you know, doing any sort of dancing or, or, or even comedy really. Cause it's, it's a pseudo comedy comedic performance. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I definitely see your point. I could see, uh, Portman winning. I think Portman is really great. And Jackie, um, La La Land just seems like the movie, but, I do. I really do think that Hopper in L is it's just an incredible performance, and it 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 bounces a really tight line. I mean, the the movie just does not work without her. She's the one who actually made the movie happen, and and kind of Verhoeven came on board with her, and yeah. um, with without her, the movie doesn't work at all. And but with her, it's you know, in my eyes, the fourth best movie of the year. So. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think uh, she should win, and I mean, she won the Golden Globe. I don't know if uh, be- maybe is that only because of the Hollywood foreign press? I don't it's, know. It might be, but if she's at least nominated, she has an outside chance. It's kind of like uh, what was it? Maybe ten years ago when Marion Cotillard was just a, a, some foreign actress that no one had ever heard of, and then next thing you know, she won a Golden Globe, and then she won the Oscar for that movie. I can't remember. Lavian um, Rose. Lavian Rose. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's it could yeah. happen again. You never mm-hmm. know. Um, yeah, could be. I hope so. I think uh, she deserves it for sure. All right. Then, uh, then you have Christoph Waltz working his entire life and then making one movie with Tarantino and then he gets two. <laughs> well, that's different because yeah. he's not in, I mean, he wasn't in foreign Tarantino movies. Those were American. Yeah. You know, it's a little different, but I see what you mean. Um. All right. My number four is hell or high water um okay we kind of talked about about that one a little earlier yeah we kind of talked about it a little earlier um great performances all around uh surprisingly chris pine's really good uh jeff bridges is good doing his jeff bridges thing um and ben foster's he's the standout of the movie um and it's it's a really great modern sort of western with a really suspenseful finale and a the ending is is great. It kind of leaves you a little hanging a bit, but it it's satisfying uh, enough. Um, and it's just overall, it's just a great. Which is funny because like I remember 
before this movie came out. Uh, it wasn't getting a ton of press or promotion. And the only places I was seeing it was on ESPN for some reason. They kept they like Jeff Bridges <coughs> and, and Chris Pine and Ben Foster were like on ESPN promoting this movie. And I'm just like, what what are they doing on ESPN? Like it's a, first, first off, it's a Western. And that's that's not really the typical, you know, sports ESPN crowd. Uh, I don't know. I feel like there's a, a wide margin of sports people if they're like you know classic american people probably i mean like to Westerns. me to me the movie was successful due to word of mouth it didn't open very wide but it it be, it became a success at least box office wise because of kind of like what happened with arrival word of mouth really pushed that movie um you know into the right direction and it was just interesting, like, usually, because, I mean, I watch ESPN, obviously, but, like, usually when I see actors or, uh, you know, whoever comes on to promote their movie, it's usually a piece of shit. Like, that's they're trying to promote their movie to, like, I don't know, uh, the sports crowd who, are, who will just buy anything. And it's just really weird that a movie that's Oscar-worthy is promoted on ESPN as heavily as it was. Like, they did a, a ton of promotion for it. Hmm. Yeah, I still haven't seen it, so can't really say yeah. anything else myself. But it really is a, a, an incredible movie, and you know there were a few westerns this year, but it's by far the best. I mean, it's one of the best westerns that's come out in a while. And uh, I have to, I do resent what you said that Chris Pine. That you're like surprisingly Chris Pine is good. <laughs> I defy you to tell me a movie that Chris Pine is not good in. Even the shitty movie. Is that a challenge? In, is that a challenge? Yeah, all right. <laughs> it is a challenge. Like, uh, because well, even when he's in a bad movie like Into Darkness, uh, he's still great. Well, he's still playing Captain Kirk. Part. That's that's. I mean, I I understand that. But like, the first thing that comes off the top of my head is what is that movie? Have uh, you both seen Stretch? Because no, Stretch is great, and he oh is. Oh my god, so he's good. so good in that movie. And you know, he's all he just works really well with uh, Joe Carnahan because he's in uh, Smoke and Aces, Aces in a really yeah. small, weird role too. Um, well, the first thing that comes to, oh, he was in Jack Ryan. That's right. Uh, (laughs) the first thing that comes to mind is that movie. This means war. Um, the McG movie. When even Tom Hardy's bad, can you really blame it on the actors? Well, I think Tom Hardy was, uh, maybe showing him up a bit. Uh, oh, I thought he was not good at unstoppable. Uh, I didn't mind him in that. I mean, you know, he just has to be Denzel's sidekick. Um, but I, I just think, I think Chris Pine's a great actor. Uh, like he's a great, he's a great character actor who unfortunately looks like a, a leading man. So he gets a lot of lead roles, but this one allowed like a hell or high water allowed him to just kind of get down and dirty and just play like a, a really solid character. And I do feel like <laughs> Ben Foster helped a little bit with that just because it was two very different, almost kind of two different sides of the coin when it comes to the two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, are you saying you didn't like him in the Princess Diaries two Royal Engagement? Uh, I think that's one of his best performances, actually. Uh, <laughs> certainly top five for <laughs> for Chris Pine. I would agree, but uh, but yeah, he it's a uh, they real he and Ben Foster really do complement each other very well. Uh, you can see how these two are brothers, but they went different paths, and it. It just works so well. And the movie is, it's another movie that's kind of really prescient, uh, talking about, um, you know, 
the economy and uh, how hard it is for a certain section of America to just live and make ends meet in, uh, you know, when a government and the uh, economy just doesn't give a shit about anyone that's not, you know, the 1%. Yeah, and that's kind of interesting because you, in a way, are almost rooting for the two of them. Not so much Ben Foster, but you're kind of rooting for them uh, throughout most of the movie. Um, and it, that, that's, I mean, that's, that's a good point. It's, it's very much tied between that. Um, but yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely one of the, one of the, one of the better, better movies of this year. So, all right. Number three, getting down there. Top three. Top three. So number three for me is, uh, one that I was really anticipating and it just did not disappoint at all. It's Park Chan-wook's The Handmaiden. Um, Park Chan-wook is maybe my favorite director. He's like tied with David Cronenberg for me. I love every single thing he's ever done. And uh, The Handmaiden may be his very best. It tells the story of a con man and a con woman who are trying to um, steal the fortune of a a, a kind of a, a hermit uh, uh, rich um, Japanese aristocrat, and this is a uh, in um, takes place in Korea, but it's the time you know during when uh, those two nations were at war. It's half in Korean, half in Japanese, and it's a it's a kind of a Verhoeven style erotic thriller. It's not like a Basic Instinct. Um, but there's a lot of twists and turns. There's like three big twists in the plot where it kind of turns the whole movie on its head and you never see it coming. And it's just satis- It's so satisfying just watching. There's three main characters and just watching it keep turning around these people and it's always changing how you're watching the movie. And it's, uh, it's a really uh, crazy balancing act and it's so good. That's well, one that uh, we can't see. I, I, yeah, <laughs> I wish we could uh, comment on it, but uh, unfortunately not. And it's not even streaming until the end of the month anyway. So That's oh. sad. And oh, well. one of the even sadder things is that uh, it's not eligible for an Oscar oh? because South Korea is, um, is putting up Age of Shadows instead. Which oh, is another. They only can put up one movie. Yeah, it, every country can only put up one movie. Age of Shadows is great. It's from the director of, um, like, The Last Stand, and uh, The Good, the Bad, oh, and the, the Weird, and, and I Saw the uh, Devil. I Saw the Devil. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, it, it's a great movie. That one's like a, it's like a spy movie. So it's more actiony, and I think they, it's a little more, you know, universally enjoyable. Whereas you know, this is a Park Chan Wook movie, so it's it's a little weirder. I'm I'm but sorry. I, is is the last stand that Arnold Schwarzenegger movie? <laughs> yeah, it was the one uh, English language movie the guy did. Oh, and it it, it bombed so a bad. Random one for him to come over for too. But you know what? I think that movie is really really fucking awesome, and uh, it uh it's definitely the best movie that old Arnold Schwarzenegger has made. Best movie, I feel like he was really good in that movie that was terrible uh, escape plan. 
Like, he was good in Escape Plan. Like the movies, the shits, but Arnold is amazing in that, which is is not normally something I guess you could say. Because sure, he's amazing in a lot of things, but like he's actually acting and not yeah. just being Arnold in that one. I feel like, but he is good yeah. in that, and and that one's notable because I think it's the only movie that Arnold's ever done that he speaks German in. <laughs> Which uh, is just a little interesting piece of trivia. Another good Arnold movie uh, recently was Sabotage, the David Iron. I I love that movie. Nobody saw it. Nobody really talked about it too much. It seemed like when it came out, kind of just came and went. Yeah, that's a really nasty action movie. Really gory and just which is why I'm I'm so mad. David Ayer got wrapped up in what he's in now. Oh, he he's still wrapped up too. Yep. Yeah. All right. Uh-huh. It's a shame. Anyway, keep moving. Top three, Sean. We got number three. Unfortunately, my number three, we kind of already went in pretty much in depth on. Um, but my number three is The Witch. Um, yeah, there's not much else to yeah, say that, about that it. That one's definitely in my top three, also. So. Yeah, it's. Um, well, we, what we haven't uh, touched on Black Phillip at all, so. Oh yeah. That is the most important part of the movie. <laughs> the moment I bought the Blu-ray, I put up like a Snapchat and just whispered Black Phillip when I had the Blu-ray. I'm like, Black Phillip. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Black Phillip. He's great. <laughs> um, Probably the best cinematic goat of all time now. Well, oh, can yeah. you name the another one? The greatest of all time. Can you name another one? <laughs> uh, there was one that I can't think of what movie it was from off the top of my head, but I know there was a goat in something really random. But now I'm not going to remember because all I'm thinking about is the witch and how crazy <laughs> Black Phillip was. Yeah. I mean, we can't. I don't even want to talk about the scene because you need to see the movie. Which one? The bridge see scene. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> um, but one you, thing I'd like to say about the witch uh-huh. is that what I love is that it doesn't hide the supernatural elements within like the first no, it's ten right minutes. There. Yeah. yeah, within the first ten minutes. There's the friggin' witch, and she's doing, and she's greasing she's up doing... a broomstick, and it's amazing. It the movie's got a lot of balls to do that, and not like have it a mystery. Like, is there a witch? Are they crazy? What is you know? Oh yeah, it's right up front. I'm surprised uh, more people didn't walk out of the theater when uh, when we saw it, because um, uh, it's it's it hits you hard, like you said, immediately. Um, and yeah, it's. It's not a movie for everyone. I sometimes I feel like maybe I shouldn't recommend it to, to some people just because I know I mean I I know people who don't like the movie and they think it's not very good. Um but it's definitely it's it's somewhat divisive. I feel like if people are horror fans and enjoy um I guess period horror if that's a thing, I guess it's a thing. Um then it it's, is Okay, then yeah, it's then it's, it's clearly the movie for you, um, and that's another thing is that how authentic everything feels in the movie down from. Yeah, I don't, I don't really feel like there's ever been a movie about a witch that's as effective as the witch. Like, uh I don't know. I'd have to think about it, but um, especially like an, an accurate time period portrayal with like, you know, Salem witches. Oh well, it was either I, like hokey or I don't know. Like, I will say I did enjoy Lords of Salem. <laughs> I, thought, <laughs> I thought that was fun. <laughs> I don't know if that's a. I don't know if I count that as a witch movie though. It like, is. It, it, it kind of. It's a modern it, one, it, but it it's, is. It's definitely yeah. 
it's a weird one. Both both weird movies. But there's actually uh, funny. I was saying that this year there was actually a couple good witch movies this year. <laughs> I can't. Oh yeah. Can't go into oh, detail well, we, no, we can't go into what, detail about that ones one. Are. No. But, yeah, it's a good good year for witches. Yeah, for sure. we we may have mentioned one earlier, but we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's it's uh it's. It, it definitely feels authentic and it's it's a great ex- experience i'm i'm very interested to i haven't uh done it yet but i'm very interested to uh, watch it again with director's commentary just to get a little more insight on things but it definitely is uh i'm i'm very very interested in hearing what he has to say and apparently the director whose name is escaping me again um, right? yes uh he is apparently uh doing a remake of nosferatu next which that would be really cool yeah i'm very curious to see what he does with that because if this is any indication then i'm all even though it's been done before and it wasn't that great um i have faith i think he can do a good job so oh, yeah I, I can imagine a nosferatu movie in in the same vein that this movie was mm-hmm would be really really intense like because i mean that the imagery from the original one still to this day is some of the most haunting oh yeah imagery so someone okay. taking a modernized version of that and it doesn't even I mean, have to be i mean it can well you know i mean it's yeah just a modern sensibility of making it doesn't have to be in modern times i hope it's not i hope it's period so yeah Although I do very much enjoy Shadow of uh, Shadow of Vampire. Um, oh yeah, I love that movie. Yeah. But it's not really Nosferatu. <laughs> I wouldn't be. I wouldn't mind if Willem Dafoe just came back and did did the remake. <laughs> that, would really, be, that would be pretty pretty good stunt casting. Yeah. But I, I don't think I don't think David Eggers is uh, is about that. Uh, what, is, what does he have to do with anything? Well, I, I feel like he 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 hand selected a lot of the the talent in the witch oh i thought you but, said david ayers i was like wait, wait no, what no, no 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 <laughs> eggers oh, and, and it's uh it's actually robert, robert. is it robert, robert eggers yeah okay i think i'm just getting i think david is that the the first name of the guy that did it follows am i getting them too too, too mixed up i can't remember uh, i think yeah that his first name was i think david eggers is a writer though oh okay My yeah bad. Well, maybe Robert, he can write the movie too. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, number two. So my number two is the best musical of 2016. It's John Carney's Sing Street, which tells the story of a uh, an Irish teenager in uh, the 1980s who starts a band to impress a girl, and. Uh, it's a it's a great fun movie with amazing music that's way better than the music in uh, La La Land. Well, there's people. not that much of it anyway. <laughs> yeah, there, this is like a, 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 a not as much of a musical in that they just burst into song and dance, but there's a lot of songs and they're all great. And uh, it kind of uh, every song is in the style of a different like eighties band. Uh, and, uh, it's just a really charming movie. So, uh, John Carney did once, mm-hmm. which was a really popular musical way back. And, um, this is as good, if not better than that. And it's just really charming with great characters and great music. 
again, I don't think uh, either one of us can say anything about it because, uh, un- uh, honestly, until it was nominated for a Golden Globe, I had never heard of it. <laughs> um, I, I've heard a lot of people say that it is a superior musical to La La Land, but I have not seen it, so... Can't really it it is on Netflix, so I is- definitely recommend checking it out. All right. Well, add it to the list. <laughs> Just made the list. <laughs> <laughs> you know what happens? <laughs> you know what happens when you all sing right. too much? Yeah. Um, all right. Number two. Uh, again, unfortunately, not much else to say because we've talked about it already. But my number two is Green Room. Um, yeah, just uh, just a, a brutal, brutal movie. Um, there's really not much to say about it that we haven't yeah, we've, covered. We've already, already gone into it. We've this gone third time and yeah. brought it up. So we've gone we've gone really deep into it. So I'm just going to leave it at that. Number two is uh, Green Room. It's a great movie, and you know anyone yeah. that hasn't seen it should be watching it. It's a tough movie to sit through, and but I don't. I I honestly feel like not even because Green Room is great and everything, but I feel like a lot of people should watch Blue Ruin. And Green Room, like both, because yeah. they're so good. Like, it's such a good pairing mm-hmm. of movies, too. Like, and I, I wouldn't even say it's that tough to get. I mean, it's it's not like a long movie in by any stretch, but I understand like some of the some of the the, the, the scenes and some of the content's a little tough to get through. But I mean, I've seen it multiple times. It's you know, it's I I don't think it's really that difficult uh to, to i mean i've to watched work. it like 10 times so <laughs> okay yeah. you know, i i'm a i'm a different you know but we're a different audience i'm just saying it's brutal and yeah. you know if you're not prepared for that it could be a uh, stomach churning mm-hmm. yeah because once it cranks up the volume it, it, it doesn't stop yeah that, yeah all right all right so <laughs> the first, number one yeah big 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 selection here I think the I think big, we both know what we're what we're picking. What's going to win the Oscar? Well, I don't think yeah. either of our number ones are nominated for anything, really. No, and they definitely won't be. Um, so my number one is uh, one that Sean told me does not deserve to be number one, <laughs> <laughs> but in in my eyes it does. It's uh, Karen Kusama's The Invitation, which uh, so the setup of this movie is. Um, a man is invited to his ex-wife's uh, a dinner party thrown by his ex-wife. And uh, he brings his new girlfriend and all of his old friends are there. And um, she, the ex-wife's been gone for two years. And uh, she all of a sudden comes back and invites all these people to this dinner. And it gets weird from there. And uh, it's just very intense. And... Um, what really resonated with this with me um, in this movie is I think it's just a great uh, on-screen representation of anxiety and um, of a certain kind of person who's really withdrawn and um, just always observing things and not really in the moment, but removed from the moment and watching and seeing things that seeing things that no one else is seeing. And, um, and it's just, a it's a, it's really intense with, um, uh, amazing performances across the board and, uh, it's really beautifully directed. It's a small movie that takes place in one location and, um, and it has, 
it escalates beautifully into a, a really amazing ending. All right, I, I can I can see where you're coming from um, with 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 saying all that. Um, I think one of my biggest issues I had with the movie was because it was so low budget. Uh, I was able to to pick out some uh, some editing miscues and sound miscues, um, and that kind of took me out a bit. Uh, but it is it is a very simple story, and um, it kind of re- it's really just a movie that that kind of builds to the climax at the end. Um, not to give anything away, even though I don't know, I I feel like some of the marking of the movie kind of did a little bit. I don't know if you saw any of that, um, but. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I actually missed all the... Uh, I didn't watch any trailers. I saw a review of it like a year before the movie came out, and then I just stayed in the dark until I could finally see it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it had a really early review online. I read about it, but I ended up, I tried to watch it when I was on the road with somebody, my roommate, and she just wasn't having it and turned it off, and I never got, got to watch the rest of it. And I think I only got about a half hour in or so, but I really want to, you know, sit and watch the whole thing again because i was like like getting lulled into the movie and i feel like that's part of what the movie does it's yeah it's it's definitely a slow builder um and i i I mean i i don't know it's it's like mm, i don't know how to accurately describe without spoiling um I don't know. The the payoff at the end uh, didn't really. If, if I don't know, it just felt weird to me. Like I, I it didn't really resonate in in probably in the same way that that uh, that it did for you. But uh, I don't. I mean, that's hey, that's your number one selection. That's perfectly fine. I not really not. It wouldn't be my number one choice. But uh, but we'll get to that in a second. Well, you're, you're about to say your number one choice. <laughs> so well, I don't know if there's anything else you want to say about the invitation. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think, uh, you know, for me, I, I thought it was perfect. It's like a perfect movie. It's by far my favorite movie of the year. Like I would put it ahead of everything and anything. Um, and I think everyone should watch it. It's on Netflix. Watch it cold. Don't, you know, don't read anything about it. Don't watch any trailers. Um, it's, you know, it's like two hours long and go for the ride and then, if it doesn't work for you, it doesn't work for you. You know, that's what it, it is. What it is, I would. It definitely has. It's a divisive movie. I I feel like some people will 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 really like it. And some people will just really hate it. Uh, that that's the way I I look at it. At least I'm not saying I hated it, but like I could see why people would think that. So right. All right. Number one. Uh, this is not really suspenseful because everyone probably already knows. <laughs> um, but it is probably the movie i've seen the most uh this year um and that's another thing i think at least for as far as uh, my list goes i think rewatchability does help with a lot of selections it's not the be all end all but it if something is rewatchable uh it will mark up higher on my list than uh than a movie that's maybe not um but my number one selection is the neon demon um the nicholas swindon reffin movie from uh earlier this summer um, you want to talk about perfect movie, perfect movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. It's not perfect movie, but, uh, it's, uh, I don't know. To me, it's like, uh, like you were mentioning about the handmaiden, um, you know, Refn is probably not named Tarantino, my favorite director 
currently working in 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 film and there's something about his style that is just so interesting and so captivating that like i i can't take my eyes off the screen even though you could argue maybe some of the story elements in the neon demon are a little uh maybe corny or not fully developed but um if you're if you're looking for pure style you can't go wrong with Refn in that regard, but it's a very concise story. Um, you know, it's not hard to follow. You have the 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 model coming. Uh, she's underage model. Um, comes to Los Angeles, and uh, you know, she gets mixed up with a bunch of other models who resent her, and then shit happens. Um, it also includes a great supporting uh performance by keanu reeves his his best role in a long long time um and it has a very interesting finale um and also a lot of people are saying about how la la land um they shot los angeles really well um i feel like the neon demon is almost kind of did the same like they really did a, a nice job of shooting Lo- los angeles maybe not the the glamorous parts of los angeles like say in uh in la la land but they it was great cinematography um all around and not even his normal cinematographer i believe he um i forget the the woman's name but he he used a different uh, cinematographer for the neon demon and it overall it's it's a really great atmospheric film and um it also has probably the best soundtrack slash score of uh, of the entire year. Um, I know I usually listen to it on on the reg, um, and yeah, it's uh, it's 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 great. I I really there's not much I can say bad about it other than maybe there is some hokiness in there, um, but to me it's you I, you can't get any better. I feel like the hokiness in this movie is like so tongue in cheek, but not overtly. Like you wouldn't know that it's tongue in cheek. Yeah, I mean, you no. Know there's Refn. one piece of dialogue in the towards the beginning of the movie where um, the the other models find out that the main character, uh, sh- her parents died, and it's just like this kind. It's very tongue in cheek, but it's it's also kind of uh, in a way poor it's a poor line delivery, but it's, it's just funny. And I'm not sure if it's meant to be funny, but I find it hilarious just the way that some of the dialogue is delivered in the movie. Um, but yeah, so I don't know any, I mean, I know both you guys saw it. Uh, actually I, I believe, uh, Eric, you were in the same screening that I was, um, (laughs) in, yeah, uh, this is true in the, uh, Cinerama dome. Didn't even know. Yeah. Uh well, it was uh what was it? Um they had it at the arc light and they uh they had a Q&A afterwards with uh Refn and uh L Fanning and uh that was that I mean that, seeing it on the big screen was just amazing. Um and it looks it lo- I mean it looks great regardless of if you see it on a big screen or if you see it uh on on a Blu-ray. So um but yeah, I I don't know what else you guys yeah. want to say about it. It's, I know we all saw it. Uh, you know, uh, it's a it's a very good movie. I, I liked it a lot. I like Refn. Um, I do it. It didn't connect with me as much as his other stuff has. Um, I was le- le- the least into it of any of his movies. 
and that's not a knock on the movie. I think it's really good. I think the performances are great. It's got an amazing cast. Um, I really love Jenna Malone in everything she does, and she has a real showstopper scene uh, midway through this movie. But oh, um, I know which one you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one to, to make people walk out of a theater, I think. But um, it's really good. It's it's um, I think I need to watch it again. But you know, I I'm definitely I'm not as much of a, a refin uh, aficionado as you are. But uh, I didn't I didn't um, it didn't resonate with me like uh, Drive or Valhalla Rising or Only God Forgives or something like that did. Yeah, I kind of feel like. Um... If you're not familiar with his work, and I'm not saying you're not, but if you're not familiar with his work, uh, you you might not like it. Because um, prior to Bronson, I guess is more what you're getting at. What's that? His work prior to Bronson is that is that more? What you're... Oh no! In fact, uh, I mean, we don't have to get into it now, but there's kind of like two different phases to his career, <laughs> where the movies that he made before Bronson are nothing like the movies he makes now, um, and it's. I could see why people would be decisive uh, from the uh, watching the movie, um, but to me, it, it's just his style is just so overpowering, and uh, you know, I don't know. It's just it it to me, it's 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 uh, he's one of the few directors that I I definitely follow, and 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 uh, you know, I don't think he's put out a bad movie uh, in his entire entire career. Unless you want to argue about Fear X, which we could if you wanted to. I'm, I doubt either one of you guys have seen it, but um, <laughs> it's that's probably the one of his movies that are just like, eh, but, um, but yeah, it's no, obviously it's not a shocker that I picked that. I've only been talking about it for the last six months, so. Um, I think I knew before you even saw the movie that it would be your favorite movie of the year. <laughs> now, why would you think that? <laughs> Well, Quentin Tarantino wasn't releasing a movie this year. That's true. That would be interesting. Who would who would win in a in a in a fight for that year if they came out with movies on the same same year? Would you just end up with a tie? You think? You know, I actually, <laughs> I <laughs> believe it or not, before uh, you know, uh, before I actually sat down and created a list, which would have been a few months ago, um, I actually did have a tie. My, uh, number one and two were tied. Um, and I, I really wasn't sure if I should just go with the tie or, or just break them up. Um, and the only reason I, I feel like the only reason why, um, I decided to go neon demon over green room was because of Refn and his style as opposed to green room. Um, but both to me are, could have been interchangeable either one. Yeah. But I felt like you guys I, would shit I, on I me if I did a tie though. Neon demon. <laughs> Well, I don't have a list, so I can't really be in the position to shit on anybody's list this year. But I guess I I do think half measures, you know, no, not you, good. Full go, go for the full measure. Yeah, exactly. You got, always got to go full me- full measure. Um, People right. rate stuff a point five or a point seven or some <laughs> random crap like that. I'm like, what? But just pick a number, man. Yeah. Grow up, grow, grow up. Pick a number. All right. Well, those are our list. Uh, let's just do a quick recap. Um, I'll just do my list real quick. Number 10, Deadpool. Number 9, De Palma. Number 8, The Nice Guys. Number 7, A Monster Calls. Number 6, Arrival. Number 5, La La Land. 
Uh, number four, Hell or High Water. Number three, The Witch. Number two, Green Room. And number one, The Neon Demon. And my list was number 10, The Autopsy of Jane Doe. Number nine, Swiss Army Man. Number eight, The Witch. Number seven, Green Room. Number six, The Nice Guys. Number five, The Eyes of My Mother. Number four, L. Number three, The Handmaiden. Number two, Sing Street. And number one, The Invitation. And honestly, if this accomplished anything, maybe people will go see The Eyes of My Mother now <laughs> after yeah. listing it on your list. Um, well, you know, that is one that I hope some people see. Uh, it's a first-time director, and um, I would really love to see this guy do um, some more stuff. He's he's my age. He came in really good first-time director horror movies recently, like extremely low-budget ones too. Like yeah, it's true. And you know, like uh, I didn't expect to have this many horror movies on my list, but it's been a great year for horror. And a lot of them are, you know, first-time directors. But even, like, the Masters are doing great stuff. Like, uh, The Conjuring 2, I thought, was incredible. James Wan just gets better and better at making horror movies. And there's just so much good stuff out there right now. Yeah, see, I, I know that Sean didn't want me to bring it up, but I, I still feel like uh, Blair Witch got, got a bad rap. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I, I enjoyed Blair Witch a lot, and I feel like it it enhanced the, the mythology of the character. Like that's what it did. It just, that's went great. While the enhancing it, they ruined everything too. So there you go. <laughs> um, I think, uh, the Blair witch is the worst movie Adam Wingard's ever been involved with. Oh well, yeah. But I, but I still yeah. liked it. So even at his worst, I think he makes an enjoyable, scary movie, but, uh, it just is not on the level of like the guest or your next, or even, um, his first movie um or anything let's be honest anything, anything it's yeah. it's just awful it's <laughs> it's one of the worst it's honestly if if we didn't have some of the worst movies in in the last 10 years come out this year it may have been the worst movie of last year i feel that's a bit hyperbole <laughs> <laughs> yeah i wouldn't go that far oh i'm going there <laughs> well everyone's allowed to think what they want to think about any movie but when it's found footage, generally Sean doesn't like it to begin with. So, yeah, like looking under that, shit. <laughs> look at, looking under that that aspect, he was already going in under the gun. That's not there, true though, because so. I don't mind the original Blair Witch. I think it's fine. Um, it's it's effective in what it does, but the problem is, is that that was in 1999, and now we're in 2016 or was in 2016, and <laughs> they did a shitty soft reboot slash sequel and they showed the witch why the fuck did they have to show the witch they showed her three times <laughs> well apparently that wasn't the witch that yeah that's what i keep witch. hearing is that that wasn't the witch oh fuck but... fuck you that's oh come on that's that's awful i remember having to have like... an argument with you over the, the time loop and everything too because you were like not having it like how'd they find the foot i'm like the, the witch is powerful let's just put yeah. it that way i i liked that aspect of it i thought it was great but Let's not get too dragged down into <laughs> about that. Let's just say it was a really good year for horror. Uh, I feel like horror is starting to get a little more prestige picture kind of like feel to it. it again, 
like it was in the seventies almost. Like yeah. sure it's not right. getting as much mainstream, but it's really coming into its own again. I agree. I almost feel like if the witch had come out in, in December, it would be in you know, people would be talking about it for like awards. I don't um, think so because it's I don't know though. It's so it's so well made and period movie. Yeah, and people loved it, and it it did really well. It like it made a lot of money. I it's just knowing the they academy. They brought it back in the theaters too. Like they the did, yeah. Time for, for yeah, April sixth or whatever, so they could release on six 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 or something. <laughs> but knowing the academy, I I can't see them giving any love, even if it did come out later on in the year. But well, we'll never know. Wait, waiting for the next. Uh... Sounds Little Lambs type thing to happen. Oh, I don't think that's ever going to happen. Uh, it'd be very rare, you know, that something like that happens again. Which is funny because people, some people don't even consider that a horror movie. I'm like, you're insane. <laughs> yeah, that's totally a horror movie. I mean, but, it, it, you know, like, and that wasn't even, like, The Exorcist was nominated for Best Picture. Yeah, so that was the first, we have to wait another. We might actually be due since, you know, you go Exorcist, Lambs, and now we're due again for another best picture nominated horror movie so maybe maybe this is the year 2017 well maybe when they nominate deadpool then we'll have it'll, it'll be even more open to yeah everything. there you go well when they have 10 slots and they usually only use like six of them it's no, kind these, of... honestly they usually use nine more often than not which is counterproductive it's like if you have 10 just use 10 if there's something you know, like remember the the year Skyfall was was uh, potentially up for that tenth spot, and then it just it just put it in. Like, yeah, why why not? You know, like it, it, what, it, how are they determining whether there's nine or ten? Like, if just take the ten most nominated pictures, and that's it. I, I, that, that that's exactly my point. Like, why make it so there can be ten? But they're going to get a whole nother argument about Oscars, which I believe we're probably going to have a podcast down, down yeah, the line yeah. about Oscars. And I can so. explain to you guys how the voting system for Best Picture works, which is absolutely insane. And that's why Spotlight won last year. But, <laughs> mm-hmm. but uh, You mean it wasn't the best movie that came out last year? It was, <gasps> <laughs> it was the best movie that I didn't see last year. Um, anyway, no, it's... Uh, yeah, so that's those. That's our list, uh, our top ten list for 2016. Um, and yeah, I got to catch up on a lot of movies, and now already in 2017, with a whole bunch of good, good movies coming out. Hopefully, although a lot of a lot of movies have possibility of not being good too. So, well, DC's still making movies, right? So <laughs> we're all waiting for them to sell to Marvel. It's cool. <laughs> No, no, DC, not Fox, DC. <laughs> all right, well, uh, all right, I guess that brings us to the end of the show. Um, I guess we'll just do our plugs since we normally just do plugs at the end. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter uh, at the underscore Brack Show, and, and you can follow uh, the Blah Blah Twitter page as well. That's at Blah Blah Pod One. And you can uh, follow me on Twitter or Instagram at at Eric Wacker. It's very simple. I are able to get it on first try, huh? <laughs> There's no other. <laughs> That's it. I don't got nothing to plug. Uh, you, I honestly recommend you don't follow me because there's not not much there. But uh, if you do, go look for his Resident Evil 4 snap video. And then, oh, 
There you go. Here for a treat. My biggest claim to fame. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's a little Easter egg on there. And uh, you can follow me at F-A-T-A-X-666 because I had to put an X in there because it was taken already. So you know how that goes. But somehow you still had to leave in the 666. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yeah. All right. Well, everyone, that's our show. We'll be back in, I guess, a month or so, and we're going to be doing our Oscar predictions show, which should be interesting, uh, considering how, uh, Dan, you got your ass whooped last year. Oh, um, yeah. And I look forward to whipping that ass again. <laughs> eh, we'll see. That's right. Just take your beating. <laughs> <laughs> no resistance there. <laughs> All right, everyone. Have a good night, and we'll uh, check you out later.